0: This is the 343 podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 343 podcast. On today's episode, I have my good friend and colleague Joey Cassio on the show. And today we talk about something that we've never talked about before, which is U6 and U8 soccer. I know it sounds strange coming from us here at 343 to talk about recreational soccer, but it's what we did. Joey's been working with a team of youth players, recreational players, for quite some time now. And the journey that he's been on with with these players and the parents as well, has been quite interesting, so I wanted to talk to Joey about that, about the results that he's seen, and about plans for the future, and we ended up talking about a bunch of different stuff uh, all mixed in there. We actually start out by talking about his free program that he offers on Fridays down in Southern California, the exercises that he's doing in small groups with those, with those kids that he's training on those days, and then we jump into the U6 and U8s, and I thought it was a very fascinating conversation, would love to get your guys' feedback about it as well. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the 343 Coaching Membership Program, which is powered by the Proven 343 Methodology, the same methodology that Joey has been studying and implementing for years with his own teams, and it's the same methodology that has helped develop multiple professional and youth national team caliber players, including Alex Mendez, Ulianez, Efra Alvarez, Kobe Hernandez, and many, many more. If you're an ambitious coach, and if you want your teams to play possession-based soccer, And if you want more from yourself as a coach and more from your teams, this is the program for you. It's 100% online so you can learn on your own time. There are no assignments to turn in. You get video and audio lessons from a proven practitioner, and you get all of that for a fraction of the price of other licenses and courses that are out there. To sign up and start learning today, you can visit 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Joey Cassio. What's up, man? How's the day so far?
1: Good, man. Just uh here at the house my my daughter's here i had my my aunt come over and hang out with my daughter while i did some work this morning so you're gonna do some work and then probably hang out with her for a little while and then i got a i've been doing a training session in huntington beach uh, on fridays for i think i started in february yeah so i've been doing it for a few months now every friday just a, a group of guys uh and it's free no no charge man just do it for free
0: what do you guys what do you guys normally do
1: uh we just do like it's like a small group so we'll do like little rondos circle keep away four v ones uh we do a one v one plus two which i don't i don't think it's on the uh membership but i've seen brian do it you know a few times in the past or it's like one one on one in the middle, and then you got a player on each end who's a neutral, and they only have one touch. So the players in the middle have to like dictate the tempo. We do that one a lot. It just kind of depends on the numbers, but it's mostly just
0: rondos. How many how many kids do you get that show up?
1: Uh, we usually get anywhere from like six to twelve.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can get a lot done with that.
1: Yeah, and I'll hop in there with them and play and whatnot
0: the the guys they come from just different clubs or or, are they all club guys or rec people or what's the deal
1: no it's it's a good level there's a lot of da kids uh i got some some guys who come from my fram teams they they come over and train uh and then just a few other people you know that i've that i've known over the years who uh decent players so yeah it's a decent level good club like kind of on the border of like a club player, da player.
0: Nice. Yeah, I just uh, as you're talking, I, I pulled up the membership. The one v one v one plus two is in uh, phase two of the membership. Yeah,
1: so that that one there's like four boxes. Yeah, and there's a one v one in each box. So that I've I use that one in my team sessions. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So it's like. It's like that, but the the neutral players just stay on the ends.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I know what you're saying. Yeah, have you have you seen Brian do that one? I've never seen Brian do it, but I've seen. I think I seen a video of Simeone doing it.
1: Ah, okay. I think okay.
0: is where I first saw it. I kinda... Yeah, the,
1: guy, the guys on the ends have one touch. So, like the one v one in the middle, it's like a constant trying to lose your man yeah. and, and get enough space to sort of like. You have to step on it and pause it, and you have to dictate the tempo, or else, like it just gets too chaotic, and then it's turnover after turnover after turnover.
0: How do the how do the guys do with that?
1: They do okay. They do okay.
0: Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd imagine that you know, if somebody was brand new and they came into that, they'd be like, "What the fuck? Like, I've never like this is way too fast for me." Yeah, that's funny. Hang on one second. I think my. I think my headphones aren't working. Oh no, they are. Okay, all good. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy to show up like your first training session. And you you get in there with three guys that have done that before, and you're the fourth, and you're like, "What the fuck's going on?" Yeah, you're
1: just spinning around in circles. <laughs> yeah, seriously,
0: <laughs> seriously. No, but it's kind of like a. It, it's almost like a kind of like initiation, or like a like hey, like you know, here here's how we play. Get used to this.
1: Right, right. Uh,
0: what else? What, what did we say we were going to talk about? We were, we were going to talk about U sixes. Oh yeah, your, yeah, my
1: my my little team, dude. Yeah, your <laughs> your,
0: your adventure with your U sixes. Tell yeah. me, uh, tell tell me how all this came about, too. Tell let's let's start there. How did how did you even get get yourself roped into coaching U sixes?
1: So when I was uh, at Galaxy Academy, I was just scouting, you know. So. I was trying to find extra work wherever I could. You know, I, I was wasn't making quite enough money just from uh, the one team at Galaxy South Bay and scouting. So I was looking for extra work and the Academy manager at Galaxy uh he came to me and he said, Hey man, I I know this guy. He he lives out by you, he's got a little U six team. He's asking me to, to train him, but he lived in Long Beach at the time, so I don't think he wanted to drive All the way out to close to where i live so he asked me if i wanted to do it so i got in touch and i just started doing it man so this was probably like two years ago or so so at the time uh they were like four four years old this this little team um a couple years later now they're they're like six going on seven and they're playing u8 so they're playing up in age but yeah man it's so it's been like a two-year process and in the very beginning like i kind of jumped around with exercises because it was hard they were little little kids their attention span was like you know they're just all over the place so i did my best with like trying to do 4v0 and trying to teach them just the the basic basic fundamentals of how to execute a, a 4v1 so i started without pressure but i mean that like that was hard. So I started to realize that you know it it was probably best to uh, keep it where the exercises there was some sort of like competition going on. You know like like defenders they're playing against each other because they were they would enjoy that part. You know they just wanted to play. And I was like, all right, I'll I'll uh, design the sessions to where you know it's basic exercises, but they're playing. So. I started to do like – back then, the first year I did it because there weren't very many kids on the team. There were maybe like five or six kids. So we would do like four or five V1, one defender. And maybe they could connect like two, three passes if they, if they were lucky. So it, it definitely tested my patience. <laughs> but I stuck <laughs> to it, man. I, I, just, I just kept doing it. Every single practice, like the first half hour of the practice – we still do. Uh, now it's there's more kids, so we do like seven v one or eight v one rondos. And now they can go, they can connect twelve passes in a row. And I'm just starting to implement trying to do it in one touch. You know, they're they're struggling with that a little bit. But uh, yeah, and then the, like the other half hour, I think I said this on Twitter. The first the first half hour, I'll do like a like a rondo seven or eight v one. And then the second half hour, I'll do like 1v1, 2v2, 3v3 flying changes. So they're always playing against each other. And I can try to uh, like teach them spacing within that little game. So I just kind of try to go into detail with them a little bit. Nothing crazy, like keeping it simple. Well, yeah, it's, so far it's worked. And in the video that I put up, you know, it, it's hard for me to go watch games because I have my three fram teams. So I just happened to have some some time on my on my Saturday last weekend, and so I actually took my wife and my daughter to go watch them play. And I'm watching, and it's like, you know, at that age, from what I remember, everything that I've seen, like every player on the field just runs towards the ball, right? And they're all just trying to kick it, and it's just a mess. <laughs> and I start watching, and these kids are like, one player would go to the ball, and the other players would just kind of like Sit in space almost like we were doing like a 7v1 rondo they they weren't all running towards the ball and in that clip I think it was a good example man the, the deepest player on the field had the ball he's under pressure from three defenders and then there's three of his three of our, our team's players just sitting up there like beyond the three pressing defenders like just chilling waiting for the ball and this kid picks his head up a couple times identifies a pass plays it he beats all the 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 opponents defenders they turn and they just all start running forward at the same time i was kind of stunned i i didn't think it was going to be like that at all but it was cool
0: <laughs> and and is something like that um happening regularly during the game like what are what are the reports from the parents i guess if you're not if you're not always there is that is this something that's happening can happening consistently or was this kind of like an anomaly
1: yeah, I talked to the manager after after they play, and and he's he's been saying to me that, you know, they're passing the ball well. They're, the defending's they're having trouble defending, but whatever. The uh, yeah, they're they're passing the ball well. And in that game, you know, I caught one moment, but there was probably like twelve to fifteen moments throughout the game that were similar. And then the like the goalkeeper would get the ball. And one of the kids would break off, kind of like to the side of the goalkeeper, open his body. The goalkeeper would roll it to his feet, and then they would just start building up, dude. I I couldn't believe it. I was amazed. And so you know, we hear we see a lot of stuff on Twitter, like what to do with players that age. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'm starting to realize that a lot of the methodology i've used with my older teams it you can definitely use with like ages four to eight you know you you have to keep it simple but it seems to work i don't know as i keep going I'm, i'm sure i'll learn more
0: and and you're you're only working with these guys what once once a week
1: yeah once a week right now so tuesdays uh i don't drive out to torrance i stay close to home and i uh yeah i go i go to the park it's maybe like 10, 15 minutes away from my house and I work with them every Tuesday.
0: And so the reason why I asked that is that you have this group of, of younger players and you work with them in a team setting once per week. And so here's where people are going to, are are like their, their, their blood's going to start boiling. Right. When, when you start saying that you're working on rondos and you're working on, you know, these different tactical kind of situations or whatever uh, at this age, but, that that's only 1 hour of their week and and you know all the other individual development and things like that you know the kids should be doing the dribbling and and juggling and and shooting and all that kind of stuff on their own or on on different days of the week um when when you're not there so like i guess what i'm getting at is that you're not you're you're not get, this isn't all the kids are getting like it's it's uh you know it needs to be a complete program or it needs to be a complete right. soccer experience for them to you know eventually develop into something um, you know like a total player
1: right yeah they, they they do another session on Thursdays The manager of the team and just some of the dads just put them through a practice I, I don't know what that looks like um, I think they try to do similar stuff to what we do when I'm there but I mean these I don't know these kids like they can control the ball pretty well you know they they dribble it pretty well for the most part for their age they rip canyoneers at the goal, dude. Like, <laughs> and and because I I encourage all that within the team context when I work with them, you know, like when we're doing the one v ones and the two v twos and all that, I try to show them the individual parts within the within the team context. And I, I mean, for where they're at, I think I think they're you know they're doing a decent job. I mean, who knows what what it's going to end up like, you know, I have no idea, but just compared to what I've seen at that age, like they seem like they're excelling.
0: How the uh, results?
1: The results are like every week they're, they're winning eight zero, ten zero, seven one, six one.
0: The other teams are pissed or what?
1: Oh yeah. Do you like they, they accuse them of like cheating and, Oh this is an all-star team <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> how uh how much do you feel like the kids know and understand like about what's going on like uh, i I can't remember did, did you actually post something about them receiving it across their body as well
1: yeah I showed one clip of of a kid like he's facing back towards his own goal and one of his teammates plays them plays on the ball and he lets it across his body he opens his body up and then he takes his first touch going forward.
0: So how, how much of that do you feel like is, is clicking with the kids during training sessions? Like or do the kids, and, and I guess another question would be, do they understand the why behind it? Like, do they understand the, the, the benefit of receiving it across their body?
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think some of it is just, we we're touching on the same points all the time. So it seems like sometimes they don't really think about it. They just do it, you know, cause it's been kind of ingrained in them just a little bit. It's not throughout the game. I noticed like it, it's not consistent enough, but there's still a handful of those moments where they do it correctly. So I think it's just from us just doing it over and over and over again and in, in training.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. It's uh what is it called? Like the, auto automizations or, or whatever, um, you know, it's becoming ingrained in these kids at such a young age, but by the time that they're eight, 10, 12, it's just going to be automatic for them to, to do those things. They're not going to, they're not going to have to think about them, which is, which is a lot of times where we as, as coaches or as, as American players too, are kind of like behind the curve because if kids don't start training this stuff until they're 11, 12 or 13, then it doesn't become automatic until they're 16, 17, 18. And right. by then, by then it's too late. So,
1: yeah, I think, you know, cause with all my teams, I, I've noticed they're all different ages. I've got this little six year old team. I've got an O six team an O four team an O two team. I think, you know, the principles across all four teams, they're all the same but what i've noticed is the way that i communicate with the players it it's a little different the older the o4s the o2s the communications all pretty similar you know they're they're teenagers they're they're close to becoming adults so the communication between those two ages is pretty similar the o6s i i have to communicate a little differently you know they're younger uh i try to keep i try to keep it more simple i guess with my with my language and terminology and then even more so with with the six-year-olds i think the key to all of it is is the social part like how you how you're communicating all of the you know the vision in your head of how you want them to play how you communicate with with the team and i think depending on the age it's it's all a little different Uh, i think i think that's the most important part man
0: I'm, I'm curious, is the, is the experience with the U6s, is, is it, is it serious at all? Like, is there a serious tone to, to the training session or is it just, is it, is it all just for fun? Happy go lucky. Um, like that, that kind of like, um, uh, you know, relaxed, uh, experience the entire time or, or do the kids understand like, Hey, like we're here to work.
1: Yeah. I, I think when I first started with the group, when they were like four, it, I was more like laid back and kind of like have fun because I didn't know you know I wasn't sure how to approach it because I'd never done that age before but now it's definitely like yeah I need to let them go but throughout the session it's like if, if they're messing around I get on them I, I you know I kind of change the tone of my voice like to be serious like hey that's unacceptable you need to focus on what you're doing. We're not messing around. And there's consequences if you do. And then when they're competing, uh, you know, like they're falling all over the place. And I tell them, hey, get up. Like even if they're crying, like, hey, get up. And then they're going in hard against each other. I tell them, going hard. Like, so it, there is a, an aspect of like being serious, but it's also like I want to make sure they're, you know, they're having their time to enjoy themselves. But it just needs to be like in a serious competitive uh, way, you know, and not just like, Hey, you happy, go lucky, like casual, like, yeah, just kind of do whatever. And they respond well, man. They, they're, they're almost like little savages when they get out there and they play on, uh, on the weekends. At least that's what I saw, you know, last week when I watched the game, like it's just nonstop, man. They just, they're running all over the place. They're, they're, they're pressing the ball. And then as soon as they get it, they just want to go forward. You know, there's, but they do it in a good way. It's just suffocation of the opponent all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I like that you laugh after, after you're describing it too, because it kind of like you're, you're saying, uh, you know, when they win six zero, eight zero, ten zero, and then you kind of laughed after that's, uh, it's kind of like a badass attitude.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's been fun, man. I, I enjoy it and I'm learning, you know, I'm, I'm learning what's, sort of possible uh at the younger ages and that's something that maybe i i you know i don't have as much expertise in is how to work with the younger players and i guess learning or beginning to learn that what i do with my older teams is possible with the younger teams that's i find that pretty cool
0: how how has all this been received by the parents of the group and how much interaction do you have with the parents
1: uh yeah, um, they you know they all sit there and watch the practice and um, I've communicated with them a little bit. I say hello and whatnot at at the beginning and I kind of all strike up conversation before or after the training session and uh, when I went out there on the weekend, man, they they <laughs> they they can't believe what's going on. You know, like they're, <laughs> they're they're passing the ball around and and of course the kids are winning so. You know, that, that I'm sure helps, you know, they, they get to watch their kids win games and they're, they're playing in a way that the other teams aren't. So uh, it, it was interesting, John, like when, when I got there, I just went off into the corner with my family just so I could watch. Cause I, I wanted to be able to focus on the game, um, and so kind of at halftime, I kind of went over and I just kind of gave the boys a high five before they went back in and just talking to the parents. Dude, they, they have the biggest smiles on their face. And then <laughs> during the game, like the coach is turning around to the parents. He's like, these are six year olds. These are six year olds doing this. And then after the game, I went over and I gave them all the kids a high five and I was kind of talking to the parents. And yeah, it's all it's all joy. You know, it's all joy.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Um, I one, one question that, that, that comes to mind too about this is when do you anticipate having uh the conversation with the with the parents or the team about like the the next steps for these kids like when when does it you know graduate from uh u6 to you know something a little bit more serious have you have you given that thought at all
1: yeah i actually have i i i you know, in, in my mind, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, man, it, it would be cool to see how far this could go. You know? Um, I've started with them at the very, very beginning and kind of seeing if I could see out the process and see what happens, that would be cool. So I've started to think about that. And I think, you know, the, the manager of the team and some of the parents are beginning to realize that, yeah, I mean, they're, the scorelines of the games. It, it's becoming clear that okay, probably they need to take the next step so they continue to be challenged. Um, I haven't gotten too involved with that conversation. You know, I've kind of I've talked to the manager a little bit, like kind of like, yeah, they they're probably ready to play club soccer, you know, and step into that realm of the youth process. But that's pretty much been the extent of it so far. I think within the next few months you know because they're in their fall season so maybe as that ends the conversation will intensify as to what to do next and yeah i'll be honest i'm hoping that i can i can be a part of that if i i just need to make it work
0: so where because where my brain goes is that you know great like these kids are making massive progress and uh, things are obviously going very well for them and then you know the typical AYSO or recreational experiences that, you know, after the season's over, the kids all disperse and then the next season they all get put on new teams. And and that would be that would be going backwards for for this group of kids. Like if they're on if they're on a good path, they should obviously stay on that path instead of being disbanded and then, you know, put, you know, one player here, one player there, one player over there for the next season and then it's you know, development is stifled. So that's kind of where, where my brain was going with with that, and and then you mentioned, yeah, you know, the next step would be club. It's like I'm th- I'm trying to think is there is there even U8 club? Like, does that exist? Like, what like what really is the next step for for this class or that 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 classification of player?
1: Yeah, I think that is when club soccer starts. But yeah, you're right. Probably what has to be um, what has to stay in place is is the group of players they need to they need to stay together uh over the past couple years we've managed to keep a core of players together i don't know how that came about you know from what i understand there you know in the in the rec leagues there's maybe like a draft you know like all the coaches (laughs) get together and they kind of pick the players and i'm sure a lot of them they don't even know who they are you know they just kind of form the teams but i don't know the the manager of this team like he we he's kind of mentioned it like he has players that he's he knows uh and he just figures out a way to get them on the team i have no idea how he how he did it <laughs> but you know there's been a core of players that have have stayed together and then this year because they've gone from 4v4 to 7v7 there's obviously been more so we've added new players to the team but yeah I, I think that's probably uh the priority right is keeping the players together so that they can continue their process together it doesn't have to be i guess it doesn't have to be club um it could be just keeping them together we train and then we find competitions to just play and you know so they're playing regular games and it's at a level where they're they're being challenged
0: yeah that um is the is the league affiliated with a with a club at all? Like I know one example from up here is that you know the the recreational league typically has all star season that follows the, the the rec season, and then those all star teams make the jump to you know one of the local clubs, and, and there's really only two options in, in town here, so uh, they're they're kind of close. Closely affiliated with those with those two clubs, the Rec League is. So, is is there that type of progression in the future for for these guys? Maybe.
1: Yeah, there is the the Rec League. I, I don't know which way it is, but I don't know if it's the Rec League is under the umbrella of the club or the club program is under the umbrella of the Rec League. But yeah, there is there is some sort of partnership there where the Rec League uh, is supposed to feed into the club program
0: and and so another question would be is is there any type of conversation happening between the two or or i see because you're, you're only with the guys once a week it sounds like this would be more about the the team manager but like is the goal to start identifying players and start yeah you know moving them in that direction of of you know someday playing for the club
1: yeah i'm not sure man to be honest um I think the manager has some sort of plan in place. Um, And I know that, you know, it it seems like he he wants me to continue working with the team. You know, me personally, you know, I would love to have control of on the field, but with my schedule, it just makes it difficult. So I I don't want to, like, demand all that control yeah yeah. because i know i won't be able to to give enough of my time so i've just you know we've just had conversations the manager and myself and i i just kind of go along with you know okay that that sounds good you know and i just he lets me know when training is and i show up and i just work with the kids i have started to think like okay maybe this goes forward and actually when i was at the game last weekend there was a kid on the other team that I was like, okay, I like this player. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the future we can we can add him.
0: <laughs> that's funny recruiting. No, yeah. and, and so another way that uh, another thought that popped in my head is that you know, say for instance, this was in Spain, right? I mean, this is a mm-hmm. big, big, big example, right? Um, but Barcelona has like the little Escola program, like that's their recreation program, and and kids there, like, yeah, you know, if a, if a team is doing good or a group of players are doing good, then you know, they, the, I, I'd imagine that. The, the people involved do whatever they can to help those players continue to progress. And when I think right. about typical American soccer, you have this group of players that are winning six zero, eight zero, ten zero. 10 zero and what is most likely happening or, or you know people are, are thinking is break this team up this is unfair. Uh, you know th- this team should not be should not be killing all the other teams we need to make it more equal and and people would try to stifle uh that that experience i've seen that happen multiple times i think you mentioned it too like the, the you know they're accusing them of cheating and things like that but there's there there never seems to be that in american soccer of how can we help this team you know how can we keep this team of, of special players together and help them advance it's always like no like destroy this like this is this is bad for everybody
1: right right yeah i think in the league the the recreational league that they're in there, there's I've heard at least there's a little bit of backlash from other teams and, and parents and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that, that's totally possible. I, I don't know the extent of it, but I, I could see that happening. Um, and when it like their transition to club from what I've seen, you know, like the, the local clubs usually identify like, okay, there's a good team here with a good group of players and they'll, they'll go and try to either recruit the team as a whole or a few of the players to maybe start a new team at that club Mm -hmm. is from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I think the manager has a good lock on the group and he's sort of steering the team uh, in a good direction and he wants to keep them all together So he's, he's the guy kind of looking out for the group. And I think it's, I think for now it's a good thing. They're in good hands for now and hopefully they all, they all listen and buy in and they can, they can stay together.
0: People are going to listen to this and they're going to lose their minds, Joey. Really? You think so? We're talking talking about U sixes and people are going to, they're going to absolutely lose their minds. So, but it, yeah. Right. But it reminds me though of like what, what Brian, what Brian kind of always says is like, Hey, time will tell. You know, don't, you you, you can go ahead and freak out right now, but you know, what's going to happen if, if, uh, you know, in five, six years, like this group stays together and there's something special. Okay. Time will tell.
1: And we've seen it, John. We've seen a group of players for many, many years stay under the same leadership and guidance, uh, in, in that particular environment. And, you know, so much is possible from that. You know, it, when players are in this environment for one year, then they go over here for another year, and then the next year they're over somewhere else, like, it gets all fragmented and it's hard. It's very difficult to develop into, uh, you know, what we always talk about as a global standard professional, but, you know, every every day matters. Every day matters. Every day that you, you go and you work, whether you're, you're a little kid or, you know, you're 17 years old, it's in one way or another, it matters.
0: Yeah. And, and people will, yeah, they're, they're going to freak out about, you know, how early, you know, some of this, this process starts or how early, you know, we, we start to talk about how, how serious they should be taking it. And, and what I always come back to as, as well as when Brian has told me stories about recruiting Ephra and, you know, Ephra was seven years old and, and, and people are like, "What? Like you're recruiting seven year olds? Like this is insane." And okay, look how it turned out for Ephra. Like Brian, Brian was uh, spot on. So you know, it's uh, it's it's hard for people to uh, to kind of get on board with with uh, with that type of mentality. Like, hey, like you know, we take this serious, and and we want to and, and we want to do what's best for the players. And yeah, that sometimes starts very early, and and some people won't like that, but they're also going to be the ones that are cheering for Ephra when he's wearing a national team Jersey. So,
1: right. I think, I think it all comes back to the social part, man. How, you know, when they're, when they're that young, six, seven years old, the environment that you create and how you speak to the players, are they, are they enjoying themselves? But at the same time working in a serious way, I mean, if they're enjoying themselves then what's the big deal, you know,
0: yeah. no seriously let, let the players go <laughs> i love that you laughed after that too like what's the big deal <laughs> it's so, so true yeah, people- yeah, it's
1: not like we're like drill sergeants you know like we're in the army and exactly. stuff exactly. Like beating them down mentally it's like no you create you create a, a culture where yeah it's serious and yeah we're trying to work and get better all the time but it, there's also uh, you know th- the element of them enjoying it you know because if they don't enjoy it then it's impossible for them to, to improve and get better. And I think, I think maybe that's misunderstood a little bit mm-hmm. at the younger ages. Mm-hmm. Like people think, or or maybe they've seen someone work with 16, 17 year olds in the past and maybe, you know, they're, they're dropping F bombs and it, it's different. You know how you communicate with the different ages. It's all, it's all different. And as long as you know how to press the right buttons and, and, get them to work and stay focused but also just hey we're having a good time they're enjoying it you know they they love the competition it's fun they go home feeling good about themselves and they want to come back to the next the next practice yeah then then there's nothing wrong with that
0: like you like you mentioned uh, a little bit ago like when you went over and you gave the kids high fives like all their faces lit lit up and and they were so excited to see you at their at their game like that's that's a positive sign
1: yeah yeah I- I even went over to the goalkeeper kind of like during the game and kind of gave him one point and he looked at, he looked up at me and he's like smiling. He's like, yeah, okay, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's badass, dude. Uh...
1: No, especially in, in the rec environment, like even there, it's too soft. It's too soft. Everybody's just too soft. You know, there's, there's kids who can handle certain things you know, more intense environment and there's players that can, and that's all good. You know, that's all good. Not every kid is not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be all butterflies and unicorns and rainbows all the time.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting point too, because nobody's saying that, you know, rec soccer cannot exist for all these players that, that want, you know, your, your stereotypical rec soccer experience. If you just want to go and chill and, and, you know, pick, pick, uh, grass or whatever, like yeah, go ahead. Like that's a recreational activity. Go for it. It's the it's the people that um, that are from that camp that seem to have a problem with you know people that take it serious, and yeah. and and that's really unfortunate because I've I've said many many times there's a place for everybody. There's a place for you know people that just want to play casually, and there's and there should be a place for people that want to be you know ultra ultra competitive. And the conversation is dominated by the people that are, are very casual. And, and those people are the ones that govern a lot of the leagues they govern, or they run a lot of the clubs. They, they govern us soccer, um, you know, from, from a a board member standpoint too, it's like these, the the casual, the casual person is really doing whatever they can. A lot of times to, to, to protect the, the casualness of, of, of soccer instead of you know catering to the ultra competitive people which is really where they should spend most of their time so right it, no, nobody from the ultra competitive side is, is gonna say uh nope like over here you little uh, daisy picking six-year-olds you can't do that it's like no absolutely go do that
1: right right yeah there's levels man there's so many levels in youth soccer and it and it seems like sometimes uh the sort of soft part of the youth soccer culture, uh, wants to stifle the more serious parts of the youth soccer culture, yep. you know, like hey, that shouldn't be allowed. Yep. It's like, no, that needs to be allowed yep. so that we can develop top players, yep. global standard professional players. And I think that's, that's a big part of why, uh, we don't do so right now. You know, our player pool is, isn't the strongest. And I think it's, it's because there's such a, a, a dominant force from the, the soft soccer culture. If, if I can call it that. Yep. And there, everyone just has to accept, like there's, there's all kinds of levels to all of this. And we have to be accepting of all of it so that, you know, we, we can provide something for those that just want to have fun and we can, uh, we can do better at developing global standard professionals.
0: Absolutely. What else? Uh, what else do people know, need to know about your U six experience?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I I want to document more of it. I'm hoping, uh, just to kind of show the process. I'm I'm very interested in and in how it plays out over the next couple years and if the tra- if they transition to. You know, playing club soccer. If I'm a part of that, so I'm hoping that I can uh, maybe get some more content that that I can share. I I think people would be interested in that.
0: No, I I'd, I'd be super interested in just in watching uh just in watching the you know seven v one or eight v one little little rondo that you that you do. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think people would I think people would enjoy watching that as well. And you have to watch it with with, with context too, right? It's like okay, they're U sixes. They're not right. Th- it's not Bayern Munich. So right. Yeah. I think it'd be i think it'd be funny to watch if you posted a video of it i think it would get some funny interactions
1: yeah i'll have to find a good way to film it um because i usually hop in there with them to sort of kind of set the tone yeah um so maybe i can get the manager to film or something or
0: i think it's I'll funny I, 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 I think it's funny you keep referring to him as the manager like it just sounds so professional <laughs> 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 it's, it's cool uh all right anything else we gotta we gotta cover about this about this topic we should probably jump on the uh, on another podcast soon and give everybody an update
1: yeah for sure man that that would be cool to give an update on all this yeah but for now no a lot of my time is more so with with the fram teams that's more of the focus
0: yeah projects everywhere yeah All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams. And after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The Program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable if you want more information about the 343 coaching education program the program that helps support and fund this podcast you can visit 343coaching.com all right we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast thank you so much for listening